right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. Solly here. Today's guest is going to be Troy Mullins. If you don't know about Troy, you are about to uh, you're about to learn about her, and you can learn more about her at SchwabGolf.com. Our friends at Charles Schwab do an awesome job of featuring what they call the challengers in the golf world. Uh, they do these short video features that kind of highlight some people that are doing things, doing interesting things in golf. Troy definitely qualifies for that. There's a great five minute video on their website. Just talking about her journey through long drive competitions and being a heptathlete and all the crazy stuff she's done in her life. And it's very interesting. I had a blast talking with her. Uh, so again, schwabgolf.com for many of these videos that feature uh, featured the challengers. And we'll be doing some interviews with the challengers throughout the course of the year. And of course, No Laying Up is brought to you by Precision Pro Golf. Had my uh, U.S. Open local qualifier this past week. My guy Neil was on the bag. He was working that Precision Pro Golf rangefinder to death, gunning every bunker, every tree we could find. We didn't make it through, spoiler alert, but there's going to be some good content that comes out around that. It's extremely trustworthy. Our listeners can add the NX9 slope to their golf bag for $20 off when you use coupon code NOLANGUP at checkout. That's, again, you've received $20 off their most advanced rangefinder, the NX9 slope. It's got... All the things you could ever want in a rangefinder, crystal clear display, slope adjusted distances. Of course, we weren't using that in the tournament, but target lock, pulse vibration, and a built-in magnet that you can just throw it right there on your cart. And it's not only a great rangefinder, but Precision Pro Golf offers the best warranty and customer service in the business. It's the only rangefinder that comes with lifetime battery replacement. So add the NX9 slope to your golf bag. Go to precisionprogolf.com. Use coupon code NOLANGUP, all one word. At checkout for $20 off our favorite rangefinder, the NX9 Slope. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. Let's get to Troy Mullins. So I hate starting with the boring stuff, but I think a lot of what our conversation is going uh, to be based around, at least a little bit, to get started is your background. So why don't you get us started on, on what your background is in your unique way and how you found your way into golf? <laughs> um, where do I begin? Uh, childhood, uh, high school, college. Well, like, yeah, your athleticism, you know, where that comes from, high school, college, and and yeah, there's there's not a lot of people playing professional golf, doing long drive stuff that didn't grow up playing the game. That's what I want to get at, but I want to I want to set the scene for uh, your other accomplishments. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've always been an athlete. I'll say that. Um, when I was eight, I was into track. Um, my dad was a professional runner. He had the world record in 78, 79 in the 400 meters and was set to go to the Olympics in the 80s when they were boycotted, uh, which is so unfortunate. But yeah, so I first, his first child, I kind of fell into the footsteps. I was just super fast as a kid. And so that kind of made it easy to do whatever sport I wanted. <laughs> just genetically, I am, I've been gifted this. Uh, and so I've, dabbled in a lot of different sports, but I can't say I've been good at many sports. Um, I wasn't good at basketball, so that was out. Um, but I did play volleyball. Tennis, I thought I was great because I could just slam the ball really hard and hit it far, but that wasn't the point of tennis. And so I got into track and I ran track all the way through high school. And actually, when I was going to college, I was uh, going to go to UPenn. But UPenn, I was like, I'm not going to be an athlete. I'm just going to be a regular student, give up sports, be I'm over it. Until I had some friends that were on my high school track team that went to Cornell and they were like, you should come here. Just, you know, college sports is great. Like you don't want to miss out on that. And Cornell had a really cool China program where you study abroad in Beijing. And I wanted to be a U.S. ambassador, but like I was a huge fan of Condoleezza Rice and I wanted to be her, but for China. And so I was like, okay, Cornell is it. I'm going to, you know, walk onto the team. And when I got to the team, they were like, okay, there's stayed so many sprinters. And they're like, what else can you do? I was like, well, I can hurdle and shot put. And so I became a, a heptathlete. And that encompasses like seven events. I've got uh, them. 200 meter, 800 meter, 100 yeah. meter hurdle, high jump, long jump, shot put, and javelin, which I could not have named before this podcast. That's for sure. <laughs> 
Yeah, and so I not only did I just well, well go I love into first college. of all, I love how you talk about not being good at sports and you literally do a sport where it's like seven sports in one. <laughs> well, no, I can't say I'm not great at all sports. I just there's certain types of sports that I've somehow like dr- like been really great at and then there's other ones that I'm just really horrible at. Like I I cannot throw a ball. Like, it's so embarrassing. As a kid, I think I didn't think about it. And I, you know, used to play catch with my dad. But then there was some point where at like 10 years old, I like cannot even toss a ball anymore. (laughs) Well, it's always so weird how, you know, some athletes can flip over and do other sports so amazingly well. And then you look at, like, I remember some of my hockey play, like some really good hockey players, when they would get on the basketball court, they would have no idea what to do. But then they flip over to golf, and they're so good. And, you know, there, some athletes just can pick up a golf club and swing it so well, whereas, like, LeBron James is about as athletic as it gets in any sport. And I've seen him swing a club, and it's not pretty. So it's like, it's, it's, there's no, there's no direct translation for any of this stuff. It's weird, right? And so, like, I, you know, in college, you know, I'm doing track. And then when I ended up going abroad um, to China that summer, my godfather and I had really started talking about golf. And he's like, I think this is like, you know, you're not really running track anymore. You should really get into golf. Like you can play it until you're like 80s. And I'm like, I don't know about this. Like, so we went to the driving range a few times and I just, I could hit the ball and I was hooked within like maybe like three times of going to the range I went every night I hit like maybe two full buckets of balls so this is where I'm prepared for people to not not like you because if you showed up at this range without any golf experience and could hit it right away very well this is where people are going to turn against you very quickly I'm just warning you on that (laughs) well because okay so I'll I'll describe it there's like I was saying, like I wasn't coordinated for like basketball and softball and like those kinds of sports, but with track being like very leg, obviously very, like a lot of sprints and getting out of the blocks. And then I did shot put, um, and javelin, the leg motion is very similar. And so it was just so like, I got the legs down right away. And then once I figured out how to just make contact I really didn't care if it went left or right that I didn't care. I just made, I was so focused on solid contact that I could just get into like impact position and then just let it go. So what you're saying is we all need to become heptathletes and then we will be very good at, you know, hitting, hitting the ball far, but pretty much. well, so did you, I guess getting into golf, then what was, how long did it take before you started playing, you know, competitively or where, where did you go next with, with the game of golf? Did you love playing it on golf courses right away? No. So I was, you know, I, when I was in Beijing, I actually brought some like used clubs that I found that summer to Beijing. So my senior year and I was just on the driving range. So I have to say at least the first like two years of me quote playing golf was a lot of just practice um, and not really on the course as much. So by the time I got on the course, I felt like I had an idea of how to play, but I was still really just learning and I didn't compete in in my first event uh, I signed up for some amateur events in 2011. Um, was really when I started playing, 2009. And then you qualified for the U.S. Mid Am in 2012. Yeah, 2008, 2009, <laughs> and then yeah, and then 2012. <laughs> Mid Am. <laughs> this is, and that was a crazy experience. Yeah, tell me about that. I mean, you're you're around a lot of people. I would have to imagine that. You know, they're almost on this other end of their career. If you're playing, you know, in the mid-am, you know, you've, you've, you've probably peaked in terms of your competitive golf, whereas you're just getting started. What was it like being around a bunch of competitive golfers? Oh, gosh. I was the greenest of green. And somehow, for some reason, I people see me and I, I guess I carry myself as if I know what I'm doing, but I really don't. And um, so I, you know, was in San Antonio, Texas, and... I went by myself and I was like, okay, this is like the craziest thing. I don't, I'm like going into a totally different world alone. Um, so I rented a car, got to the golf course and I'm like, wow, this golf course is gorgeous. And remind, like, just letting you know, at this point, I haven't even played that many courses. Like I stuck to like my just municipal LA golf courses. 
Um, so like I haven't, like I'm just wowed by just like how massive this course is. And of course it's windy and I'm like, what am I doing? Um, and you see all these like women that like have been golfing for years and they're like how they carry themselves. And, um, the first night we had a banquet and it was just like so overwhelming. I was like, wow, I'm at a USGA event. This is like beyond. Um, and so the next day they assigned me a caddy and I was like, okay, this is fun. Like the first time I'm having a, a caddy carry my stuff or push cart, I should say, but they gave me a caddy that had to be in his eighties. I'm not even joking. He was in his eighties and we, he struggled to push the cart. So there was a point where I'm pushing it up hills, like I'm helping him out and, and um, on the, maybe the 14th green, 14th green, I'm playing with like uh, the OG veteran woman that everybody's been warning me about. Like she's like no nonsense. I can't remember her name. And all of a sudden a phone goes off and we're all looking around and I'm like, I know it's not my phone and it was my caddy, but he couldn't hear that his phone was going off. And I was like, your phone, your phone is going off. And he's like, Oh, so he takes his flip phone out of his pocket and he answers it on the green. (laughs) (laughs) No, somebody's sabotaging you. This is not the experience you asked for. (laughs) And so I'm like, you can't answer it on the green. Like you can't answer the phone at all. And so he's like, Oh, sorry, sorry. And so he puts it in his pocket and she was livid. She was like, well, this is your caddy. Like I, I should assess you like two stroke penalty. Like we need the, like the official out here. And I was like, I don't know him. Like this, he's a volunteer. Like it's not my fault. Well, that's what and it's, so, uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. That was, it was just one of those things that I was like, gosh, I need, I had the full experience of that. Oh man. <laughs> well, that's what, one of the questions I had to ask you and I was going to ask it for later on, but was what is it? We, what's the world of golf like for somebody that comes into it in their adult, you know, I've been in it since I was like eight years old. So I, I've, <laughs> I've been around it and it's, I'm familiar with it, but what's it like to come into this, this by all means, a very weird sport, you know, later in life after being involved in so many other sports, like it's a broad question, I know, but what, what, what's the what's the world of golf like to kind of come into as an adult? It's weird. Yes, it's it is. different. I have to say that I, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve and I'm very open as a person, but like golfers are just kind of, they're just different. Um, I don't know. I like, I always expect that I'm just going to hit it off with like whoever I'm playing with because that was kind of why I loved the sport to begin with. Like I loved going and meeting random people that I just, you know, got paired up with on the first tee. But it's funny, like the women that I've played with in like competitive, like competitions are, are, uh, um, very different. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it, but, uh, it's, it's a little intimidating. Um, I do feel sometimes that, you know, I, granted I hit it well and, you know, I can play this game. I feel intimidated because I feel that they're looking at me like, wow, this girl, like, she doesn't even know what she's doing or like the, like sometimes I feel like I'm having to um, prove that I can play when I should just be really focused on just playing that. I don't think there's really like a, I haven't felt at least personally that there's like an open door, like a, an, ex, an invitation into the world. Whereas like with track, you know, you're competing, you're, you're on a team, but you're competing individually, but there's this like kind of camaraderie that is very like open and, fun and with golf it's it's so individual and so focused that I feel that um it's just it's a little I don't know how to say it stoic stuffy is it a little bit of gatekeeping almost it's just kind of yeah and and do I'm wondering if you feel that because you know we're going to talk a little long drive and and your professional golf pursuit as well but do you feel kind of caught between two worlds in that regard where you know you compete in long drive competitions and also tournaments where you're trying to get the ball in the hole as fast as possible do you feel like yeah when you're playing you know real golf events or your actual golf events that they look at you like the long drive person and then when you're on long at long drive events do they say well you know is she a long driver or is she a professional golfer how does that you know how, what's it like kind of being in both of those camps 
Um, well, for a long time, I mean, obviously right now it's such a hot topic with distance and long drive and especially with Bryson, but before it was, you had to choose, you couldn't be both a long drive hitter and a golfer. It's just not possible. Like you, you know, you can't go hit the ball like 300 yards and then putt and chip, but that's such a misconception. What is different is, you know, the environment and the psyche. You have to be so pumped up and the music is blaring and like the whole uh, adrenaline that you feel in long drive. Like you could not take that. I don't think to a golf it's so different. Yeah. I, I feel like everyone is always asking why don't long drive participants do better in pro golf? Why isn't Jamie Sadlowski on the PGA tour, all this stuff. And I just, I look at them as two totally different things. Almost. They, they almost kind of work against each other. I was curious to ask you about that too. Like is your golf swing, what, compare your golf swing in a long drive competition to an act, uh, you know, a real golf competition. Um, I think that for the most part, I've in the last few years, I've tried to keep my golf swing, my driver swing and my long drive swing similar, just because I've, I've always had the aspirations to play. So I didn't really want to go to like past parallel, jumping way off the ground and very, you know, uh, violent swing. So I've always tried to figure out how I can keep a little bit of both. And that is very hard to do to be successful in both. You know, there's a lot of long drivers that are good golfers. I do think mentally, though, for me, at least personally, when I go to a golf course to play stroke play versus long drive, it's just so quiet and the pace is so different. You really have to be in a different mindset for both. And sometimes that's hard to manage. A quick break here to check in with our friends at Whoop. You can go to Whoop.com, use promo code no laying up, all one word, at checkout for 15% off all of your Whoop needs. I'll tell you a little unexpected thing I've gotten out of Whoop is finding out some day-to-day activities that actually put a lot of strain on my body when I never really understood. You know, you might play a round of golf, you might even ro- you rode in a cart that day, didn't really get a lot of exercise, but... If you spend a day with an elevated heart rate for a long period of time, you might be completely wiped by the end of that day. That happened to me yesterday after my U.S. Open local qualifier. I was totally, totally and completely wiped. Looked at my whoop. Yeah, it turns out having an elevated heart rate for like five and a half hours drains you pretty badly. So you can get all this personalized insight from Whoop, you know, your habits, how that affects your body, how it affects your sleep, how your sleep affects your body, this a cycle that we're going to be on for the rest of our lives. We might as well have information about how all this stuff works to get the most out of our bodies. Whoop.com, promo code no laying up for 15% off. Let's get back to Troy Mullins. What's your long drive swing speed and what's your swing speed for competitive golf? Now, I know you just said that you're you're trying to keep them the same, but I'm wondering if with the music and getting pumped up for long drive, is it noticeably faster? And is that something you measure and in, in, in are tracking? Yeah, it is noticeably different. And sometimes I'm like, how do I even do that? <laughs> But <laughs> like, like I, um, I'll swing it between like one eighteen and one twenty one is my is like topped out, um, for long drive, and then right now I can swing it anywhere between like one ten, but average like one one twelve and one fifteen. And just for the listeners, that that you're 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 maxing out at, at bigger than well above the PGA Tour average swing speed, which is about 114 miles an hour. So, would you <laughs> would you be the longest player on the LPGA Tour? I think so. I think I easily could. Sometimes I, I find myself like dialing back because I'm like trying to hit fairways, but sometimes I'll just let it rip, and I'm like, whoa, where did it come from? But yeah, I I think I would. I, I know that, you know, there are a lot of long players right now um, that are on the tour, but I'm, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. So, Well, I'd love to get you in a contest <laughs> with Angel Yin because she's a trash talker as far as how far she hits it. So that would be. We've practiced together out you? at Angeles National. Yeah, she is a big hitter. She is. And she pri- she does not like the fact that other people say Ann Van Dam is the longest on the LPGA tour. So uh, we need to set something <laughs> like that up. What, what? Can you help me understand why distance hasn't taken over the women's game like it has the men's game? I, I would think, you know, and there was a great article that was just posted today by uh, Beth Ann Nichols on Golf Week just about how, in reality, LPGA golf courses are set up much longer than PGA Tour golf courses just with relative distance to how far the women hit it versus how far the men hit it. And, you know, we've seen this distance take over on the PGA Tour. You mentioned Bryson, and we've seen this trend just with – 
all of the information that's out there, TrackMan data and the information on how beneficial it is to drive it far. I don't feel this renaissance going on on the women's tour. And I'm, I'm wondering if you have any perspective as to why that might be or if you know you see that coming in the near future. I do see it coming in the near future. I think knowing my background, like I've played different sports, I think that definitely has something to do with it. I mean, if you look at, you know, Babe Zaharias and Annika Sorenstam and some of the other golfers that have maybe dabbled in other sports as, as in high school or before that, um, you, it's just a different set of muscles and, and, speed and hip speed and right now when you see these golfers coming up that's not what they're focused on right like they're focused on their chipping and their putting and accuracy and their irons and only recently you kind of see college players really in the gym really kind of doing cross training I'm starting to see women now I've been doing band work like leg band work for years and now I'm seeing a lot of people on Instagram learning about band work so I think there is going to be like an upswing of longer hitters coming onto the tour, but it's going to take a little bit of time for these for these young players to develop that. What what's your go to power tip you'd have for for amateur golfers, and, and where does where does power in your opinion where does power come from if you were to to define it simply? For me, I think that my power comes from really just turning my my hip speed. Um, so I guess that's a lot of core, core, but also including, you know, glutes and hamstrings. And so I've always, a lot of my exercises have always been lower body and core. So I do, you know, Pilates or the yoga, running, biking, and maintaining that speed. So when I turn, I get a lot of that, you know, ground force to really just turn my hips and the rest is kind of just lag, letting the club do the work. Yeah, I never, it's funny, however often I ask that question to anyone that hits it far, no one ever says, you know, it comes from swinging my arms really fast, yet when I'm trying to hit one hard, I always am just like, all right, let's swing the arms really fast, yet no one has ever, ever told me to do that. What, what, what is a, a you know, you have this kind of background in athleticism and leg strength and everything, you know, before you came into golf, but for people that are, you know, looking to get in better shape for golf, it's a complicated, I'm sure there's a ton of things you can do, but you mentioned core there. What, what would you be focusing on if you were, you know, just now uh, out on a, you know, a fitness journey of some kind as it relates to golf, what would you focus on first? I think a lot of golfers are midsection heavy. Like I was saying core, right? I would focus on, you know, really gaining strength in your middle section. So how could you do that? You could do, obviously there's sit-ups, but there's planks bicycles pilates is great uh, but i do cross training so i also do boxing I, I don't know take me to a take me to a day for you like a, what's a normal day look like you know I, I there's the the great charles schwab challenger video that just came out that you know profiles it, you can for people you know once they hear your answer here you can go and watch this video to see more about it but you know what, what's a normal day look like in terms of balancing golf and fitness so I wake up early. I'm early riser. I'm not a night owl, which makes it easy. I'm up. I get ready uh, to go golfing. So I go from 6 to about 10. I'll be on the course. Then I practice from 10 to noon. So I come back, have lunch, hang out with my dog, take a walk. And in there, I try to read something uh, golf-related, but like mental, just to work on my mental game. Uh, right now I'm actually reading traits of champion golfers, which is great. And then I will work out from about three to five. I get lost in working out. Like I literally, once I start, I'm in there and I lose track of time. I have no clock in my garage gym and I just don't even know what time it is. See, I was but already I mad about the range stuff and now it's like, I'm 10 minutes in there and I'm like, well, I've been in here for three hours. How has only 10 minutes gone by? It's it's pretty bad. But I mean, I'll be on the bike for about 45. And I have this I do body combat. Um, my boyfriend calls it body karate. But um, <laughs> it's basically like shadow boxing. But it's a mix of like karate, Muay Thai, um, everything. And so I will just be in there for like 50 minutes, just like fighting the air and just like, you know, getting all my aggression out whatever I'm feeling for the day and then I finish with either like a yoga set or a core set hmm. 
Well, let's yeah. let's take us to your 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 professional golf journey here, and, and kind of set the scene for what your experience has been like so far. And and <laughs> I know the answer to this part of the question. You know, are you are you up against a lot of women that are uh, also you know getting into the game of golf very late on the professional golf scene? <laughs> Am I no? <laughs> <laughs> Tournaments are, are another thing. I've played in a lot of tournaments and I try, I, you know, getting my feet wet in tournaments in the past has been interesting just because I've, oh man, I've experienced the crying on the golf course, not me personally, but other competitors crying. And then I've also experienced where like, I'm on the tee and somebody's like, oh, why aren't you hitting driver? Hit the long drive. And I'm like, why am I the only one being heckled here? Like, what is this? Um, and uh, just kind of trying to find my own space in the game. And do I hit, you know, even on the tee box, do I hit a draw because I hit it long? Or do I play my natural fade? And really just figuring out who I am and how I play the game and not playing it for other people. But also just being accepting that like, you know, the personality of like being personable doesn't really work in stroke play and everybody's kind of in their heads and um it's it's been a it's been different every tournament has been a learning experience in terms of what I've learned about myself but also what I've learned about this game I, I really do think any golf fan at any level you want to try it at you can be you know any flight or of any club championship or anything needs to play some tournament golf just to just so when you're watching on TV you have the appreciation for the nerves and the internal battles that everyone's going through you mentioned you know it, you know probably looking a lot cooler out there than you feel on the inside I know exactly what that means like it is it is very nerve-wracking to compete in tournaments but if you, you know, so you, you hit it really far, you, you have uh, incredible driver talent. What's, what's your weakness in your game? What, what's the difference between where you're at right now and the top players on the LPGA tour? What do you need to get great at in order to make it in pro golf? Wow. I would say, man, Troy driving range, Troy chipping range, putting green is like, you would think I was like, I've been on tour for years. Hmm. <laughs> but that I definitely, no, I, I, I'm not tuning my. I'm not. No, trying to no, be, that's you know, that's like, good. That's a really good reference point, though. You feel great about I your game to, on the range. I do. I feel like when I'm out there practicing, I am just in a groove, and I think what I've got to be comfortable with is one playing with women. Playing with women is very different than playing with men. I've played in a lot of. I've played in more tournaments and events with men, um, not on purpose, just because they've either been close or they've you know I've been invited. And men and the way that they play more aggressively, I kind of have fallen into that, especially with long drive. I find that it's easier to kind of just have that man attitude where you, you know, you think every putt's going in and you, you have this air about you. But when I play with women, I find that I'm softer. There's like a softer Troy that holds back. And so I think I've got to find out, find the balance and, and not hold back. There's something, something there, but it's, it's cracking. I, I see it cracking through an opening and it's, it's kind of cool. I don't know if that made any sense. No, it does. It, 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 you know, it's a, yeah, I, I am going to go try to explain what I think you mean, but I, I, it's in my head. It makes sense in my head. I don't know if I could explain it, but it's almost like, it sounds like the vibe of whatever you're doing has a big effect on you, right? You talk about getting super jacked up for you know long drive competitions. You there's maybe more more bravado or more aggression that comes with playing with men, and yet playing with women almost seems like it. It, it seems like you know someone that's competing in a in a sport as a as a young person that has a competitive advantage over everyone around them, but that makes them maybe a little bit uncomfortable. Is that kind of somewhat fair to say? A little bit. Yeah. And I just, I, I, no, I'll describe it very well. And it's very sad. I am, I am a, a people person at heart and I feel really bad when I hit it past people. And, and it's funny that I should own that, right? Like I should own that I hit it far, but with men, you know, I'm right in par with them and men don't care. Men don't care if I hit it long, like that's not going to hurt their feelings. And I feel sometimes when I play with women that I'm trying to also be their friend and not really come out as like, Oh, I'm about to bomb it past you. <laughs> um, but I, yeah. And I played with Amy Olson and she hits it far. She hits it great. And so we were out there playing recently and I was like, man, like she's really cool. I want to be friends with her. And so I was, 
I was like dinking it out there. Like, <laughs> honestly. And I was like, I couldn't get out of my head to like hit it far, like hit it past her. So we're like in line with each other. And I was just kind of like gauging how she plays and she's talkative and she's great. And she's dropping birdies like left and right. I'm like, wow, Amy's fun. And so she mentioned something about long drive and she was like, yeah, I know that you, you know, I don't hit it as far as you, but like, she kind of said that in a way that made me feel like, oh, so she's going to be okay. Like with me just kind of letting it go. And I wasn't trying to swing any harder. I just literally freed myself up. And I think I dropped one like 310 on her. <laughs> she was like, where was that? <laughs> <laughs> but it's just that, like just feeling, you know, I, I, I'm new to this game and I came in late and I'm really not trying to step on anyone's toes. And it's that kind of thing that these women have put, you know, have paid their dues. And I, I play the sport not to not to, you know, step on that, but to kind of just because I appreciate the game and I love this game. Hmm. Send it. Come on. You got to send it. That makes me <laughs> that makes me sad that you're bashful about sending it. <laughs> I know it's so silly, but it's I'm working with new coaches now and, you know, we're we're learning to accept that that's part of my gift and, you know, I've got to just let it go. Let the bomb go. <laughs> Who are you working with? Or, well, you know, what's, what's been your, in, in, you know, golf instruction you've gotten either in the past or, or what are you currently, uh, who are you currently working with? Man, I've worked with some great people. I've had lessons here and there with a lot of great coaches and uh, I've worked with Genghis for long drive. Uh, but recently I'm working with Ronnie Stockton and actually a caddy who's been on tour, Chris McCalmont. Um, and both of them has really, we've really just focused on, the mental part of playing, playing stroke play and getting ready for these tournaments. Um, they both think that, you know, I have the skill. That's not the problem. It's like, how do we let it go? How, like, right. Like I was saying, how do we unleash it? Right. Yeah. So no, I've, I hate being the one giving advice to professional golfers, but I, have you ever heard of the book called be a player by Pia Nelson and Lynn Marriott? No, I got to get that one. That's a good one. That was a it's I'm only suggesting it because the, what you just described is what it exactly it helped me with in terms of like getting in a competitive mode, learning to trust your body, learning to send it, learning to, you know, to get over mental hurdles and I always I always I always thought the the mental side of golf was just hey, be real cheery, be positive, have a great attitude, go <laughs> hit the next one great, but understanding the effect your mind has, you know, all the downtime you spend during a competitive round of golf. What are you telling yourself? What are you thinking? How are you handling that? You know, are you thinking technical thoughts out there or are you thinking about your tempo and tension and things like that? And it was eye opening. I think it really did help me. It, as I say that, my scores aren't really that much lower, but it has it has had an impact on me, I think. so. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's it's nerve-wracking. I mean, I, I compare the nerves. What are the nerves like for long drive versus like a competitive competitive event? Do you get nervous, equally nervous for both? Different kind of nervous? Oh, I think I get equally nervous, but it's a different nervous. Like for long drive, a lot of women I've seen too, uh, we you shake, you get the shakes, like you have so much adrenaline. Sometimes like I had a hard time putting the, the ball on the tee. <laughs> I would have to like cheat it and put it against my foot. I, I, and I don't, and it's like not consciously nervous, but I'm just like so amped up and like, so, you know, I've got eight balls to get it in. And I guess all of that, like, I just feel it in the shakes, but I don't necessarily feel it in swing thoughts or like, necessarily like in the moment of of swinging for long drive but for golf um i it just comes in just so many thoughts like i start thinking about way too many things so it's so different i'm i'm you know i'm calm but i'm thinking whereas long drive you don't have time to think you just gotta go well what's it for people that don't you know aren't familiar with it what's the structure what are what are long drive contests like what's a tour look like what's the structure of the actual events you know and who are who are some of the people that uh, you're uh, some of the top competitors out there yes so um long drive we have it goes through the summer and for the women it's actually pretty tough women have to do everything in one day so we show up and we have the morning rounds the qualifying rounds and then we have the finals in the evening and the qualifying rounds are just like Oh man, there's so many rounds and so many balls. Um, but you get eight, eight balls in a set of two minutes. So you've got to hit all eight and you go, it's kind of like match play um, with all these different, all the different women. 
and then the top four competitors move on to the finals. And then in the finals, again, you get the eight balls in the two minutes. But it used to be what I love. It used to be four balls, then your competitor, then four balls again. So you get to like best each other. But what changed is when it was eight balls and you have to go first, there's no like rabbit. So you can't, there's no, no, no one to chase, which makes it a little tough. Hmm. Do you try to get one out there in the early part of that just so you have something on the grid? I, I noticed when you when you won uh, some highlights I was watching, I forget which which long drive you won, you had several, your first several balls were OB before you got one 374 to win the title. So, you know, is there any, <laughs> is there any mindset to try, kind of getting one out there and then trying to keep besting it? Yeah, um, for that one, it was in Denver and it was uh, the mile high. It started raining. And so I just, again, I, I was like, there was way too much going on in my head. I was like, it's raining. And I, they had mentioned something because I had missed one before. Uh, because I thought I was going to lose the club, right? So Say no so more. I, hate, I can't do anything when it's raining or when my hands are sweating. You're talking to the right person. Right. So I was just, um, but what happened was I said, I'm not going to look up anymore. I'm just going to swing. And I know one of, if I do my swing, one of them is going to find this grid. And so I just kept at that point, like it kind of got quiet in my head. And I wish, you know, I could carry that same feeling, that same in the zone moment all the time. But I did. I honestly, I I kept my head down. I focused on my routine. I went back to a routine. I thought about my swing and I said, I know I'm going to get this in the grid. And if I don't, I gave it everything I had. And it kind of just worked out. I thought this was going to come up earlier in the conversation, but I want to hear about how you went about uh, your your game plan for financing a professional golf career. How you got what what you did to do that? Oh man, I've done everything. I, I mean, <laughs> I've worked at two different golf courses in LA. So at first, I worked at the one that I started at, Westchester Golf Course. They had an opening for a starter, and I started there, and you know, giving balls. And then in the evening, afternoon, I would play on their. It's an executive course. And so I'd play there. I'd go, you know, it's par three. So it was very simple. Um, and I would just hit balls. I really just worked so I could just hit free balls. <laughs> and, um, and then I went and I worked at uh, Brookside. So I'm like, okay, so now I'm actually on an actual golf course. And so that's really where I kind of like started playing with other professionals as well. They had a, a mini tour out there. And I learned a lot from just playing with those players. But I also was a tutor. I worked at, as a barista. Um, and so when I started tutoring, I just focused on Mandarin because I was really fluent at Mandarin right after college and they had a position for a Mandarin tutor. And then they were like, well, you know, do you do any other subjects? And I was like, I don't know. I, I like other subjects. And so I went in and I you have to test, you have to take the actual test of whatever subject you want to teach to see if you can do it. And I ended up doing really well in the math and science. And so they, I focused on, you know, middle school because I think that middle school kids, their, their brains are still uh, malleable and they listen and (laughs) they don't hate school yet. So (laughs) I did middle school math and science and I just loved it. I never saw myself as a teacher or a tutor, um, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, connecting with these kids. And and then I tutored so much for this company. It was literally one other tutor and I who did a bulk of this company's business. And I'm like, why am I working, making almost a fourth of what they're charging these parents? And so I left the company and I started my own tutoring business. Well, that, and, that's not where the story ends then. Tell me about starting your own tutoring business. That sounds... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you still you, you still yeah. do that what's the hour commitment like and, and kind of take us to what that looks like I do I still do it I don't do it as much I've, I've kept the students that I've had from a lot of them from sixth grade and a lot of my students have graduated or are graduating this year yeah I, I started with a couple of parents that I knew I told them that I was you know going to be doing tutoring and I did this one specific test called the ISEE, which is a independent school entrance exam. So for private schools, you have to take a entrance exam. And I got really good at this test. Every kid that I tutored in this test was getting into the school they wanted. 
and I, I don't know how I figured out the language of like an sixth and eighth grader, but I had it down to a science. <laughs> so I was so busy. Once parents found out that like I was really good at teaching this test, I had maybe four to five students a night. And Saturday was the only day I had off. So after practice, after working out, I would tutor from about like four, maybe three thirty till about eight. And I wouldn't get home sometimes till nine thirty, ten. And then Saturdays I took off. And then Sunday I started at eight in the morning until about five. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not seeing how this j- jives with your uh, with your workout schedule, golf schedule, all these things. You sound like a very busy person. Well, it was perfect, right? Because I, I golfed early. Remember, I so I wake up at like five on the golf course, practice, work out, and then my day is done at three for golf. And so the rest of the day was just for tutoring. But I loved it. I, I felt that it took my mind off of everything else. Um, I enjoyed seeing these kids learning about themselves because kids always say to me, I hate math. I hate math. And then at the end of it, they're like, oh, well, it was really fun. And that was easy. And I was like, yeah. Um, and just the joy that people get when you, you accomplish something and you learn something that you think is difficult, kind of like golf, right? Like when you first hit that, that great ball, you, you feel accomplished and you want to keep doing it. And and that's what I like about kids. Bear with me on this. I'm wondering, as you're saying this, you know, you said you, you somehow figured out this one test, how the science behind how to teach this one test. Do you think a, like a athletic and competitive you know, streak in you leads to that. I, I go back to the lessons I feel like I learned in high school basketball, high school baseball, high school golf, being on sports teams, being in competition, trying to figure out ways to be the best or better than someone else. I think it contributes so to so many other aspects later in life. Do you, can you can you see a link between those two things? That's interesting. I've never thought about it that way. I don't know. I maybe I maybe it's. I've always enjoyed challenges, even though I like I'll get frustrated with something, I'll keep doing it. Like I'm annoying that way. And so, yeah, I know that I'm competitive, but it's also this like need to say that I've done, I can, I've done that. And so like, I got to a point where I could read because I started moving away from just that test and, and doing general studies with, with kids because I figured out that I could read one of their textbooks It'd take me about 10 minutes to read through a chapter and I could explain it back to them. And I don't know where that school came from. I don't know if I had it in high school, but I tapped into it as a tutor. And I was like, this is awesome. You know, when I first started golfing, I would do that. I would, I've read like Phil Mickelson's Short Game, the Tiger Woods book. And I have like a whole list of books that I just, I literally devoured. I watched hours of videotape like I watched Adam Scott swing and like Ernie Els and I I can't say that I just, you know, went on the golf course and figured it out. I literally would dissect their swing, slow it down and just watch it and learn it. Um and I don't think that a lot of players that you know pick up the game and they're like, "Well, how do you do it so fast?" Well, you're not studying. And I enjoy that part. I enjoy the studying and I enjoy the practice. Like I love practicing. I, this this next question has, is two parts, and bear with me on this one again. But I'm wondering if you can help me link this. Because growing up, uh, did you have any African-American women that you could see as sort of a role model in, in the golf world? And I'm asking that knowing that you don't come from a golf background. And I'm wondering if the lack of African-American women in golf on the biggest stages has any impact on you know other young African-American girls getting into golf. I'm, I'm curious your perspective on that. Yeah, that's tough because getting into golf, honestly, I don't think I I didn't see representation. And I know, you know, there are, right. I I knew about Althea Gibson, but I knew about her because of tennis. I didn't know she was a golfer. I didn't know about Renee Powell until I was already a golfer, but I'm not a tennis player, but I, you know, I'm a huge fan of Serena Williams, even Naomi Osaka now. and in track, there was just so there were so many there were so many great African American women uh, runners that I looked up to: Marion Jones, Flo Jo, uh, Jackie Joyner Kersey. So the representation in that sport it was just that that's natural, and it's and it's dis- it's disappointing that in golf 
you don't really see even just women. Um, I didn't know about Annika again until I was a golfer. And it's just, you know, in other sports, even if you're not of that sport, you know them, you know their names, you see them on Wheaties boxes, you see them in commercials. And for golf, you really don't, you don't get that same interaction outside of the sport. What are some of the the biggest highlights of your golf life so far? And you're, I'm asking this in terms of your your Instagram is just flush full of cool experiences, cool places you've been. So I'm I'm wondering when I ask that, what comes to your to uh, to mind as some of your favorite and coolest experiences you've had? Oh man, I I've been lucky. To, I've had a lot of experiences. I things that I'm like, wow, did that really happen? And um, but what's the coolest one? It's always hardest to get the coolest, like that answer, but just whatever comes to mind is some some really cool things. I think the coolest. The coolest was probably last year. I was at the American Century, super nervous to be there. But it was the first time, you know, that there were no spectators. So we were able to convene in the clubhouse where they said they weren't, they haven't been able to do that in years past. And so I'm sitting at a table with, some of like the biggest sports legends and I'm on the driving range with Marcus Allen and uh, Jerome Bettis, Chauncey Billups, you name it. We were all on the range and it felt like just family and they, they were just so down to earth and they didn't, they didn't seem like the, the big stars that they are. And we're just laughing about golf and, it's so crazy that they all we all play different sports, but we come together to to hit a little tiny ball. And like we all struggle with the same things. And we're talking about like, you know, the different shots we hit or like what we're working on. And and even just sitting in the clubhouse with Charles Barkley and just and his energy and Doug Flutie came in and he made some joke like, Oh, you know, when I was little, I, I used to watch you on TV and he goes, you were never little. (laughs) (laughs) So that's just, it's incredible. It's incredible to be a part of uh, a community of athletes that play golf. And I, that I thought was the most special. Well, I know I I obviously not privy to those conversations, but I know exactly what kind of conversations you're talking about in terms of just golf nerd, like everybody seeking a little something, some kind of advantage, some kind of all that golf talk only is really understood by golfers. This weird little passion in terms of, you know, all the little kind of everyone wants to talk about their round. Everyone wants to talk about what they're working on, all that. And, um, I don't know. I've I've experienced a lot of sports, but nothing like that in terms of golf. You don't sit on a basketball court and talk about your free throw form or all the things you're working on. It's just golf is just maddening in that regard. But uh, the last thing I have here is you executed what I would consider to be the the dream prank, the dressed up pro that's unassuming and manages to shock some people in the process. I've gone over this idea a million times in my head about trying to pull this off, and I can. It's, it takes so much work that goes into it. Tell the story of how that happened. Yeah, so Scratch TV came to us with this idea of a granny prank. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm all in. And at first it was going to be with adults, and I said, no, 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 no. you got to get kids. Kids will never suspect me. Right. I was like, they'll never know. Like, I'll walk around like old lady. Like, they'll never see it. And so – we did the full prosthetics in the morning, the five hours of makeup. And of course, it was like the hottest day at Genesis. Like normally I feel like it's cool, but of course it's the hottest day there. And I'm literally walking around Riviera as a granny hours before the clinic. And so Cameron Champ, this is perfect too, because Cameron Champ hits it a long way. And so I'm there at the clinic. I was walking around with my little sister, who was my granddaughter. So we're walking around and then of course we go to the clinic. So no one sees, no one thinks of me as like a young person because I've been, I've already been planted. Like I've already been there. Um, I even walked past my mom who didn't recognize me. So that tells you something. And um, she was like, Troy, I what? I was like, mom, really? You just didn't see me? Uh, but yeah, so Cameron Champ's hitting it. And then all of a sudden, you know, we do the, he tees it up to like, Oh, let's get a young person and an older person, which is perfect. And the hard part was not swinging good. Like how does, how do you swing bad? Like I, it was, <laughs> I know that sounds here. You are again. To say. 
I know, I know. But I was, I was like, how, how do I make it look awkward without being obviously awkward? And so they were like, can you miss the ball? But I felt like my miss was like way too on plane. But the kids like weren't buying. They really, they looked so miserable watching me. And it was so, I was, it was hard not to laugh. And so I just knew though, that if I hit the fence, cause I had practiced uh, the day before, if I hit that fence where Cameron Champ was hitting it, I knew they would lose it. And so with all the prosthetics, I'm like, how am I going to get my arms over my belly and over like my big suit? And it was great. They, they loved it. And then they were chanting grandma. And I remember right after when I was getting my makeup off, Bubba came walking through the dressing room and he was like, I could hear them chanting grandma <laughs> on 11th fairway. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just love it. I, again, I love being around kids and that to me was the best. They were, I didn't know, they were like, Grandma, can you sign this? I'm like, what do I sign it? Yeah, yeah what, I, what did you sign it as? Did you sign it as Gladys? Yeah, well, I, I wrote on some of them Grandma Troy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we. I mean, we told the kids who I was at the end. Um, but they were still, they don't know. I was. I look right. like an 80-year-old woman. So. Well, what's next for you? What, what's, uh, what's coming up on the horizon for you? Um, we have a lot coming up, a lot of secret projects, but um, I'm going to be working on, you know, Q school in the fall. So playing events this summer, um, hopefully long drive comes back, but I'm also going to be working with NBC sports and golf channel and excited about, about that. Well, we look forward to following that. We thank you a ton for, for your time and for, for uh, listeners that are here, go ahead and check out the, uh, at schwabgolf.com, check out the challenger video, uh, that features Troy and her story as well. And thanks for sharing some stories with us. It's a really cool perspective to hear and, uh, hope to go, hope to do it again sometime and hope to cross paths with you soon. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! <laughs>